0: Hello and welcome to Servants Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. In Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 36, we find this, this little story, this incident, this event, that really showcases the wonder of forgiveness. There's nothing like forgiveness when, so when you when you come to someone who you know you've hurt and 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 you're repentant and i you're hoping they'll forgive you and and they do when they do it it's a, it, it's a special moment a meaningful moment think back to the man who <clears throat> whose stepfather had murdered his mother, and he not only forgave him, he took steps to become his friend. And that's just one of many, many stories out there. We've heard them over the years from other preachers or, uh, or radio shows like Old Sh- Unshackled. You know, this story of forgiveness, and it's it, special. It is another person forgives you, someone you know you're guilty of hurting, and they've forgiven you. It's so much more with God. When you find yourself, yeah, I, I'm guilty before, before, and all, all powerful and sovereign,
1: uh, Lord of the universe no excuse i have no defense i'm guilty
0: and god offers forgiveness no feeling like that in the world i love seeing it's been too long since we've seen a, a tear shed uh, on our front pew as people bear bore their hearts before the lord and 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 and, and, and tears streaming and they're just shaking and, and crying and, and, and that release, that uh, emancipation, that, that instant freedom, that glory, that joy, that comfort that rushes in a, a soul
1: the moment that happens, it's a wonderful thing to watch. Like that, here recorded in the book of Luke,
0: the Gospel of Luke. Verse 36 Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Interesting thing to note that the Pharisee, the word invite, the and Tim and I are gonna learn this stuff pretty soon. We're gonna start Greek pretty soon. Um, that word is uh, indicates an ongoing activity. The Pharisee have been bugging him for a while. That's not immediately apparent in the English. The Pharisee have been bugging him for a while for an invitation. You get him to come up come over to my house, and you know, have dinner with me. Clearly, he had ulterior motives, and we're going to see some of what those motives are later in the scripture passage. But he invited me, and Jesus finally uh, came and reclined at the table. And I, uh, of this Pharisee, this man who did not believe Jesus was, was God. Wasn't even sure if he was a prophet.
1: The Pharisees were known for their hypocrisy. And and their greed and and their wants of power. Jesus came to eat with them.
0: One pastor had a friend that he, he would fish with now and then and I went fishing with him one day and after climbing, uh, the man after climbing into his waders and boots and gathering up his gear, he sat on the tailgate of his truck and looked at the river for about 15 minutes. Didn't fish yet, just watched the river looking for rising fish. And after that time period, he he simply said, no use fishing where they ain't. And they moved on to a different location. And that bit makes us think of the question, do we fish for souls where they ain't? We talk about wanting to... I. Uh, to meet people who, who don't know Jesus and, and get the chance to invite them to church or share the gospel with them or share a testimony with them? Are we, are we taking advantage of those opportunities that, that God affords to us? Are we actively looking for ways to, to meet people, to fish for men? It was said, Jesus, that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. As Christians were to be unlike the world in our behavior, but squarely in it as he was. So we have to ask ourselves, do I, like Jesus, have friends who are sinners? If I only have Christian friends, I may be fishing for souls where they ain't. It's easy for a, a Christian to end up only having Christian friends when you first get saved you 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 your friends in the world tend to reject you and you start developing relationships in church and 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 and, and you start connecting with people of like mind and and without even paying attention suddenly, You're not friends with anybody who's not a Christian. So verse 37, And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears, she wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. Now we might think of kissing someone's feet as kind of odd behavior nowadays, uh, but that was a customary expression of reverence and affection for that time. And note also the, the oil I... Well, not the oil. Let me back up. Notice that she went to Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet is often where we must, it is where we must go to learn of His suffering. To go to the cross and see his pierced feet. His feet are where we go to find mercy and obtain healing. As those who were lame and blind found healing. Christ's feet are where we go to find rest. Like the man who was possessed with demons. That's where he found rest at Christ's feet. Christ's feet are where we go to find hope. And to learn, as Mary did, as she sat and learned at Jesus' feet. We go to Christ's feet to be comforted. As Jesus did with the disciples when they were scared to death and and, and cloistered in a locked room, afraid of everything going on, and, and, and Jesus... I bless him with peace, and then he said, "Behold, my hands and my feet. I've done the work; it's done. I've won." And finally, we go to Christ's feet to worship. Notice that Mary, uh, in, in this, in this, in these couple verses, I. Or well, verse thirty-eight uh, reveals the actions of faith. When someone comes to Christ in true faith, here's what always happens. First, she had to come to Jesus. She had to seek Him to come where He is. She had to re- number two. She had to repent of her sins. And not just feel sorry for him, but there's a turning away from from the sin life, turning away. And then finally she showed tokens of her love with her tears and, and, and the money she spent on that expensive oil. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he didn't say this out loud. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, I don't know what kind of sinner she was. Traditionally, it's been assumed she was a prostitute. But we don't know unless you're not willing to I think it's just good enough to know that she's a sinner and somebody that the Pharisee despised so much he would not have wanted her to even touch him we see that you know when he said if he were a prophet the Pharisee doubts I mean, that's why he called Jesus over to Try to get to the bottom of it. See if in fact Jesus is really who he says he is.
1: As one author
0: noted, Simon was typical of a whole group of good people. Simon is as humorless, prudish, constrained in his affections, incapable of enjoying himself, repressed, inhibited, Pouting and, and, and censorious. There are hundreds of people like that today. They're respectable, conventional, good people. They look down their noses at permissive society. They curl their lip at the decay in moral standards. They think they're good, but they're not. They're simply dull. They think they're being moral, but they're not. They're simply being sanctimonious. this is an important warning for those of us who value righteousness and truth. Yes, we are to live for the Lord and do what's right and strive for good and not compromise with evil in any way. But at the same time, humility, compassion, love should be the mark of all of us. You never forget that we are debtors to grace. And we still have a long way to go. Then starting with verse 40, Jesus explained. So, so first we had the setting, then the the, uh, the Pharisees' reaction in verse 39. In verse 40, we see Jesus' explanation. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you, teacher. He said, say it. At least he called him teacher. That was a respectable, respectful term. Verse 41, a creditor had two debtors, one owed four. 500 denarii and the other 50, since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both, so which of them will love him more? Now, a denarii was a day's wage, so he had one person with almost two months of wages owed and and someone with about a year and a half or so of wages owed.
1: A big difference. And neither of them could pay it back.
0: So what does he do? He graciously forgave them both.
1: These few words reveal the heart of God...
0: and it's abounding in grace.
1: Notice what he did, he forgave. He didn't compromise. Forgiveness is God's gracious remedy for the sinner's debt. Martin Luther
0: said, I believe in the for- in, for- in the forgiveness, not the repayment of sins. A lot of people just can't believe that God can just forgive so easily. A lot of people have a hard time that God would so easily forgive a murderer. But God is willing to forgive anybody who wants to be forgiven. Notice whom he forgave. He forgave both.
1: Both alike needed it. The the self-righteous moralist and the the 500 pence... uh Self-righteous moralist and the respectable church-going
0: 50 pence debtor need forgiveness just the same as the one who owed 500. Nobody can have more of a claim than the others because they both owed and neither could pay. Notice how he forgave. He forgave graciously and in a free, liberal, loving manner, not grudgingly, just as the father forgave the prodigal son
1: with open arms and joyful heart. He delights in mercy. God pardons a sinner. He does it as Joseph forgave his brethren with a heart ready
0: to burst with deep, unutterable compassion. Notice when he forgave. When they had nothing to pay. It was when the prodigal son had spent all that he had when when he finally, finally showed up and he was accepted when Joseph's brethren had nothing to eat, and then they were enriched by him whom they had despised. The young ruler came with a great price in his hand and went away sorrowful. The in church had need of nothing while Christ stood outside. That's I think, is a state of many of our churches today. They have need of nothing, yet Christ
1: stands outside.
0: Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said. We are to accept his settlement by without money. There's nothing, we have nothing to pay. Verse 44. Actually, we me back up. 43. So Jesus asked him, So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. How much has God forgiven you? How much do you love him? And how do you show it? And continue verse 33. You have judged correctly. He told him, turning 44, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. I came in, he didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. So Simon, by the way, when you have a guest come over, someone of of any value, he invited him to a banquet, you would think that he would be treated as an honored guest, but it seemed like he was not. Normally, when you have a guest over, you, you're you know, walking on the dusty
1: road, you're given water to w- clean your feet up. He wasn't given that. Normally, you're greeted with a kiss. Many countries still do this, a kiss on the cheek.
0: He wasn't greeted with a kiss. It would be equivalent to someone refusing to shake your hand. In our country. And their honored guests will be given uh, some kind of uh, oil uh, for the head as a action of honor and respect. He wasn't given that. So he, he didn't give Jesus anything like that at all. Nothing by way of honoring or respecting him at all. I wonder how well we honor Christ. As we go through our actions, our lives, But well, we see here in forty four that Jesus approved
1: of this woman's actions. In forty five, we uh, forty
0: five and forty six, she does so much more than than, than Simon did. She gave everything. She showed him adoration and love and respect. She, she, she used her tears of, of gratitude and joy to
1: wash his feet.
0: And then the the oil she used. He tells Simon, you didn't anoint my head with olive oil. That was the standard. Standard oil, nothing special about it. But she used an expensive oil. Who knows what it cost her. Probably the best she had or or the best she could get a hold of. Do we give Christ our best? Do we give Him the best of our time? Or only a few minutes here and there? Do we give Him the best of our money? Or only a dollar here and there? Do we give the best of our priority in life? Or do other things take precedent and God is always second or even third, fourth or fifth in that long line of priorities. People aren't here in church today because they had higher priorities. Verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, and that's why she loved much. Or that's why her love shows that she's been forgiven. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about this verse. Uh, Her sins, while many, have been forgiven. Not because she has done this, this action, but this is an evidence that her sins are forgiven. They had already been forgiven. And she knew it. This act of greater love is the proof that she must be conscious of a greater forgiveness. She loved much, but to whom the little was forgiven, the same love of little. Somewhere in the U.S., along the river, there's, there's a group of trees where Native Americans had hunted through that area a long time ago and had peeled the outer bark of the tree away and harvested an underlying layer for chewing gum. Some of the scars the were disfiguring, but others, filled with crystallized sap and burnished by wind and weather, had been transformed into patterns of rare beauty. So it is our transgressions, our sins. We may be scarred by the sins of the past, but those sins repented and brought to Jesus for his forgiveness can leave behind marks of beauty in our lives. Some people, having tasted the bitterness of sin, now loathe that they hate evil and love righteousness. Theirs is the beauty of holiness. Others, knowing how far they fall short, have tender hearts toward others. They rise up with understanding, compassion, and kindness when others fail. Theirs is the beauty of humility. And finally, when acts of sin are freely and thoroughly forgiven, it leads to intimacy with the one who has shown mercy. Such sinners love much, for much has been forgiven. Theirs is the beauty of love. As one poet put it, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wonderful passion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refined, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I agree. Amen. Let it be so. In verse 48, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. In 48, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wonderful words, aren't they? Your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgave her. That was the result. Verse 49, those at the table with him began to say among themselves, who
1: is this man who even forgives sins? They didn't know. They were perplexed.
0: Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who died for our sins and rose again from the dead and is advocating for us at the right hand of the Father at at this very moment and someday is going to return
1: for us and someday we will be with him for eternity. And he said to him, your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
0: He assured her. And then he commissioned her. Go, go in peace. During the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. One day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her. He wanted to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders but she refused to sell him any. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help, and and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. When he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies, he was told, Colonel, just ask for it. smile broke over Roosevelt's face. Now he understood. The provisions were not for sale. All they did was simply ask, and they would be given freely. The same is true for the salvation in Jesus Christ. Trust in Him, and we're given forgiveness. Everything we need. I'm told we're going in peace. If we trust Jesus, we find we'll find peace. The wrap up today. Maybe your heart troubles you. Encourage you to seek the Lord, and He'll give you peace. Let us stand. Well, that's all for today I hope it was a blessing to you I do have one more thing to add uh, I have recently published a book entitled stop poisoning yourself finding joy in all circumstances uh, few of us realize the impact of our thoughts have on our daily lives how it impacts our emotions, our relationships, including our relationship with God. Uh, In this book, I I go through this very short, easy to read book. I go through what the Bible says about it, how and what we can do uh, to eliminate poisonous thoughts in our lives. So if you're interested, go check it out on uh, Amazon Kindle's website, you'll find it there. Just search for Stop Poisoning Yourself By Daryl Underwood. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful day.